Welcome. My name is Melissa. I am a compulsive eater and I'm the 12 Step Within board member for the OA San Fernando Valley. We are very excited to host the Sober Eating Workshop today. It's very popular at our OA birthday party and it's really nice to bring it to a wider audience. Please be aware that we are recording the audio of this workshop. Video is not being recorded. And then just for your awareness, about halfway through the workshop, we'll be splitting the meeting out into breakout rooms for you guys to actually fill out the, the worksheet. So that's all I have. I just wanted to thank um, the hosts and everyone who did service for this um, again, and I will hand it over to our hosts. Hi, everyone. I'm Adam. I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm grateful to be one of the uh, men who um, have been working on uh, this experience uh, for weeks now. We've done this workshop before and uh, the amount of uh, energy and effort it took to simulate or to attempt to uh, have this experience um, available to us in, in this technology during this time just took so much work and so much preparation to uh, make sure we can do this as best we can under the circumstances. So. Uh, a special shout out to Bob S and to the other men of, of the group who uh, spent a lot of time and energy really trying to get this together. And, uh, and uh, it's nice. It's nice. One of the benefits of this is that we get to have a lot of people and um, hopefully our experience can help you. Um, I know what I want it to be for me. Uh, the, 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 this the title of this um and we've done this before is called the sober eating workshop why would we do a sober eating workshop what does it even mean to be to have sober eating so um i thought we'd start with um sharing i'll share a little bit about me and um my involvement in in program bob has some uh pictures and at some point we can put them on but uh, suffice it to say, I um, have been in program abstinent sober with my food since November 30th, 1998. And I'm down between 130 and 135 pounds. And I often say it is the biggest miracle of my life by far. Um, it's my personal victory. You know, man has walked on the moon. We have, you know, we have fascinating technology in this world, all miraculous. This is my personal miracle. When I stop and slow down, I, I still can't believe that after all these years, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still able to have this relationship with food that I, prior to coming to, prior, prior to this experience, there was no way possible for me to have a day or where I felt at peace with food. And, um, so for, for this, I'm forever grateful. And um, they often say there's no way I can give back as, half as much as I've, 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 I've been given here. So what does it mean for me? What, is it, what does it mean for me to have this experience? I, I, we often share about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And that from what it was like to what happened is a big deal, right? It's a big, big deal to have a what it was like and then something happened. So I really wanna make sure I capture what has, what it was like and then what happened because something did happen. 
And, um, you know, I, in this particular disease, I, I'm one of the people who had it bad early on. So I found food and I found that I wanted it desperately uh, at a very, very young age. And I often share that stuff was going on in my life. Um, there was some turbulence in my family, family life. Uh, we had a, you know, my, I'm, I, when I was five, my twin brothers were, my younger brothers were born and man, was it a tough time in the house, premature birth. One of them, one of them was, was developmentally challenged. Both of them had issues. One of them till this day has permanent damage from that experience. And it was an earthquake in my house. And I found food in that. I really want, I, I always qualify this. I'm not, I probably would have found food anyways. Meaning I found a massive stressor and I found a massive, a massive, uh, massive stressor coupled with a massive form of relief. And who knows? And it's, it's not really critical to the story. It's just my story, but it's not critical that something happened and I started eating in that way. And what does eating in that way mean? What does it mean not to be sober? What does it mean? What does it mean to be sober? And what does it mean to not be sober is a very important theme in this, in this workshop. So for me, not being sober, being addicted to food, right? That quality that we describe in the program of having a thought life that says eat, 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 and then having an experience where we can't stop once we start, right? And that cycle that we talk about, the binge or the spree, right? Followed by the remorse and the demoralization, right? That is a full-time job, right? So, so for me, in my disease, and again, I was very young, I made a lot of room to find the food. So if you, I take you through a day in the life of me, right? Starting at an early age, there's an urgency. There's an urgency to find food. And I don't want people to get in my way of that experience. I want all the things that everybody wants. I want success. I want relationships. I want to be liked. I want to be admired. I want people to find me attractive. I want people to, to I want all the blessings of the world. But at the same time, I want to make a lot of room for this urgent matter, which is I have to eat. So if somebody gets in the way of me in that experience of eating, I am going to find a way to get to the food anyways, because it's too important for me not to. So if I take my, if I take a clip of my first grade self, right, I am waiting for people to leave. I'm waiting for people to leave the room, leave the house, and I'm darting to a freezer. I'm darting to a, a refrigerator. And I learned how to very, 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 very quickly get my fix. So if the food's a little frozen and I learned how to take a hot dog and stick it on a fork and put, turn, on, turn on the stove, if it's a little frozen, that's okay. Because I gotta eat. I gotta eat and nobody really wants me to because they saw early on that there's something disturbing about the way I'm eating. Right. So they saw my parents saw my father's a physician. He happens to be a 
endocrinologist of all things, right? It's like he studies obesity. That was part of his, his research was he was looking at obesity. And here he has this kid and it is on and he's, he's saying to me, they're both saying to me, both my parents, what is wrong with you? And I have no idea what's wrong with me. I just, all I know, if I look at that clip, is I am, I am consumed with the mission. And the mission is, no matter what's going on, the most important thing of my day is I have to eat in that disturbing way. It's not that I have to eat. It's that I have to eat more and more and more and more and more. And that is the thing that I have, right? So I, for most people, they just eat. And sometimes they'll eat a little more and say, damn, I shouldn't have eaten so much. And maybe they'll feel full and say, what did I do? And that's cool. And I don't think that that's, uh, I don't think that that's my condition. My condition is I, I have to continue eating until I am, until I'm demoralized, right? Until I'm defeated, demoralized, and then I eat again. So what's it like to live a life like that? I get bigger. The consequence of my relationship with food, with my substance, just like the consequence of, of various substances, every substance has a different consequence. Heroin has a consequence physically on people. Alcohol has a consequence physically. My disease has a consequence on me and the consequence on comes shows up on my body and I get bigger and sicker and sicker and sicker as I get more advanced in this disease. And what comes with that sickness is I also stop learning how to do life, right? So the guy you're looking at on the screen, right? who's trying to put on a smile and internally is dying as he's walking down some wedding aisle where people all eyes are on him and trying to make the most of it, right? Is preoccupied and so self-involved. And what are people thinking? I don't want them to think what I'm thinking of me. So I don't want people to think I have a problem and I don't want to acknowledge I have a problem and I desperately want to be seen as okay. Right? The second picture you're seeing is of, of, of a secondary issue with alcohol, right? Food's my mothership, right? And hey, I can make friends. Please see me as okay and fun. And so what happens to a person who's so busy making room for his addiction? So for me, there's a lot I couldn't learn because I just didn't have the bandwidth. So I become super self-involved. And I want my story really badly. That guy that you're looking at wants a story to be the way he wants it. I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want you to see me as okay. And I, I'm going to get super resentful at you and the world. And I have a reflex to blame you on what's not going right with me. So that's why I'm really careful about talking about the circumstances that drove me to eat. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows what drove me to eat? because I'm going to find a reason to blame it on my childhood, to blame it on my parents, to blame it on anybody and anything except for me to take personal responsibility and say, it's my disease. I have to own it. So the story of what happened accelerates over the years. Like all of us, I try so hard to fix it periodically. 
I can barely do it. I'm not good at dieting. I can barely hold my breath. Every four years during that time, I, I find one of these things called the diet. During those four years, I think about when I'm going to start the diet. I do these things called diets and I can't last. I lose a portion of my weight only to gain. I stop, but I can't stay stopped. And, and my, food, my food addiction comes back with a vengeance. That happens to me multiple times, starting from third grade, when it was imposed upon me, where I was bought, where, where people tried to buy me out. <laughs> my mom would pay me. And um, I tried so hard. I wanted to, there were, I wanted to have some relief of the symptom of fat, right? Never did I think to myself that I wanted to, I didn't even know what the issue was. I had no idea that the issue was I'm a drug, drug addict with food. I had no idea, but I certainly knew this. I certainly knew that um, I didn't want the symptom. I didn't want the symptom that kept me so apart from people, which is being physically distorted the way I was. It was agonizing. And um, I, I'll, I'll move into what happened. So it's important to my story that what happened it didn't, I didn't just find Overeaters Anonymous and boom, everything was fine. I think for me, I was so advanced in this disease that I would smoke cigarettes and ash on myself and I wouldn't brush my teeth. And I think the beginning of change is when I took someone's direction at like 18 or 19 and I said, I'm willing to start brushing my teeth. He said, why don't you start brushing your teeth? And I did, and I didn't even hear a program. And then the story... Um, I met a, a supervisor when I was 24-ish, and he said to me, um, he said to me, I feel like it's my ethical obligation to tell you that you have a, a problem with food. And I was like, no shit, of course I do, you know? And he said, he said, I think you might be a food addict. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm not an alcoholic. I said, I have to eat. And he looked at me, he said, yeah, but not like that. And the floodgates opened. And he said to me, you can go to a men's group or you can go to this spiritual help group called Overeaters Anonymous. And I was in Chicago at the time. I said, of course, I'm going to go to the men's group. And I went to this men's group and they were great. And they had stuff that was phenomenal. You know, they, they, when I got there, they said, that guy cattle scale, you know, they put me on the cattle scale and they, they would say things like the iron maiden, that's the scale, the iron maiden never lies. And, and, you know, they would like tough, like blue collar Chicago guys, like when they would argue, they gained weight and somebody would say like, you know, like nobody shoved the food up your ass and they were yelling at each other. And it was, it was a tough crowd. And um, I did what I do. I stayed there until I started eating again. And then, and then I ran away. So all these things called diets, I couldn't, I couldn't stay on them. I could stop. I couldn't stay stopped. And I checked out Overeaters Anonymous after that. Maybe a year later, I checked out Overeaters Anonymous in, um, in Chicago. And I remember some nice guy said, hey, can I be your sponsor? And he gave me a big book. And I didn't read it. And um, I remember going to a meeting and, and, and one guy was just like, so angry and he stormed out of the meeting and I hear his car like I hear him back up and I hear his car like screech and hit another car and he darts out and I'm like wow 
you know, these people are messed up. I don't even go to groups. I give groups. I can, I am so much better than these people. You know, they're really messed up and bought myself another few years that way. And, um, I remember a moment in time where, um, I was just pleading in, I, I would go on the way to work and just make all these like, and the footage, I would want you to think about the footage of me making stops for food. It's super disturbing. It's, it's, it's volume eating and it's eating with an urgency and a frenzy that I wouldn't want to see the film. And I remember one time just pleading, please, anything, I'll do anything. I don't want to live this way anymore. And I don't care what happens in my life. All, I just, I want some relief and I still couldn't stop. I still couldn't stop. And um, what happened? We're getting into what happened. I had the just God's hand. If I look back at it, God's hand was that I, I worked side by side with somebody with my mother's age, with many years of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous sobriety. And I work with a, another gentleman who was a hundred pounder like me. And I couldn't hear it right away. And I remember watching, I remember learning about this woman and she would tell me, you know, program's really good. Never forced me. She never forced me. She told me about her program and I was watching somebody sober. And one time I didn't know about the man and I said to him, I just get this sense that he knows something about food. You know, he seems to have a good, calm demeanor about him. And he, I said to him, do you know anything about, uh, I'm really heavy and I, I hate it. Do you know anything about it? He said, you know, to be honest, I used to be really heavy too. I'm a hundred pounder. I'm like, really? He I, I said, what did you do? He said, I never deviate. And I remember looking at him and I said to him, I'm, I said to myself, I said, what the fuck is he talking about? He never deviates. I looked at him with like judgment and I'm like, you don't eat frozen yogurt. And he's like, no, I never deviate. And I remember thinking to myself, what does he know? And uh, the arrogance, um, here I am, I'm in absolute pain. And I'm telling someone who has an experience in, internally, I'm telling someone who has an experience of success, all I have is ideas and all of my ideas don't work. And I'm telling myself that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about when he has an experience that I would um, kill for. So wasn't ready yet. And I, you know, I think that we were ready when we're ready and um, went back to OA. This time I wasn't so arrogant, but I said, it's just, it's the valley. There was a smell of perfume and a lot of women in a small room. It's not for me. Bought some more time. And at about, you know, about two years later, on November 8th, 1998, I went into the... Um, grocery store. I had lost some weight too. I had been on a very successful thing, you know, with some expert. And I went into the grocery store and I do what I did. I bought tons of stuff in the bakery section, went in my car and devoured it like a, like a, like a praying mantis coming after prey. I just shoved it in my mouth and wasn't the most, it wasn't epic binge. It wasn't, it wasn't a, 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 a using moment to end all using moments, but I came to work the next day. And the person who was side by side with me from Alcoholics Anonymous 
this woman who was my mother's age said, and so I say my mother's age because I couldn't hear it from my parents. And I can, symbolically, I was able to hear it from this woman. And she said, what's wrong? I said, I can't stop eating. And she said, we're going to a meeting. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, this is what we do. We go to a meeting, we stop what we're doing, we found a meeting. And she took me to this meeting and she wasn't a member of our program. And she said, Adam wants to share. She raises her hand, she says, Adam wants to share. And she said, tell them what you told me, right out loud in this small meeting in Woodland Hills that doesn't exist anymore. And I said, I can't stop eating. And then she said, abstain no matter what and go to meetings. And I, I heard that somewhat. This was November, on November 9th, 1998. November 15th, 1998, I turned 30. And this is a pivotal moment in what happened for me. And I went to, um, I went to my in-law's house and they had tiramisu cake. Um, some of you who know me have heard this. I, I had never had it. And I'm six days into Overeaters Anonymous, eating four times a day, whatever I want or whatever I was completely confused about what it means to have the sober experience with food. And I took, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want anybody to know that I was going to um, be eating in that disturbing way. Cause I try to sneak it from people. And I took my hand and I grab a whole bunch of it. I shove it in my pocket and I go in the bathroom and I devour it. And here's the, the, the whole basis of everything that I'm doing. Cause I came to Overeaters Anonymous the next day. And you all told me that that behavior was fine. This is what I heard, I should say. The narrative in my head was that like, I heard things like, don't beat yourself up, cool. I heard things like, why would you start, if you're going from Los Angeles to New York and you have a flat tire in Phoenix, why would you go back to Los Angeles? And the kindness was also very, very, I heard it in a very permissive way. So that type of kindness told me, hey, maybe I can go to this program and eat too. <laughs> maybe I can be in a program where you can eat and eat in a sick way and I get to have that cake and eat it too. And just, just it's all going to be good. And then finally, this sponsor guy that I worked with had the decency to say to me, hey, Adam, what you did was called getting drunk with food you got high on food. And he said, what I would recommend is that you fire yourself, <laughs> right? You're done because you can't trust you because your best thinking, even in Overeaters Anonymous for six days, grabs a piece of cake and shoves it in your mouth. And I'm looking for people to tell me that's okay because I can find people here to tell me that's fine. And what he said to me was, trust anybody, right? But just don't, don't trust yourself on this. Fire yourself. And I've come to realize that what he brought to my awareness at that point was, I am symbolically, what does it mean to be sober with food, right? What does it mean for me? It means I, have, I am no longer the author of what's good for me in this. I have surrendered that experience entirely. And I don't make up the rules of food anymore. You do, right? Left to my own devices, I keep coming up with good ideas, right? I can come up with the reason why tiramisu is okay. So for me, the foundation of this is I felt like I was a guy who was, I lost my rights like somebody who's, who wants to kill themselves and they could get placed in a, in a, 
in a psych hospital, right? For me, I was, I, I lost my rights. That's it. I'm done. And to this day, I believe entirely in this experience. And from there, from that sober moment, if you look at the, the definition of sober, right, that it's not just um, not addicted anymore or not drunk or sparing in the use of drink, marked by sedate or earnestly thoughtful character or demeanor, temp marked by seriousness, right? I was able to look at myself from a sober, what does it mean to be sober, right? Truly, I'm not fighting anymore. It's over. It's over. I am no longer in charge of this relationship. This relationship is taken out of my hands. Me and food is no longer me. And he taught me, this man taught me what it means to have a sober relationship with food. I'm done. I'm no longer the author of what's good for me. What I eat, how I eat it, when I eat it, right? When I eat it, what I can eat, right, is no longer my, my, my call. And um, from that point on, I look at life, and somebody taught me early on, it's a series of segments of opportunity where I get to practice being sober, not eating over experiences. There's no universe where I get to eat more food because of the circumstances, because of a person, a situation, or a place. And from that point on, right, I was able to find the power that I never had. Right, and the power, that lack of power is our dilemma. So by jumping in in this way, and, I, and the reason why we're doing this workshop is to help people who are struggling in any way to launch, right? To launch an experience of getting sober from their substance food, right? Because it's, it's totally baffled, cunning, baffling, and powerful. And using the power of the program and the power of the 12 steps to make a beginning to make a beginning on life changing and all, all, all. So that's what happened. What, what I do, right? What I do is I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be of service and to work with people and to have people who work with me over the years. So I could say this and I'll say it very quickly. The guy who walked in these rooms, uh, I'm not the same person. That guy is, that guy wouldn't last five minutes in my day. The first thing he'd struggle with is he wouldn't wake up, right? He would be looking to create toxicity all over the place, and he wouldn't be able to sustain the discipline that we're given. God disciplines us in the simple way we say here. I would be lost, right? I am a person, the person I, who walked in, I wouldn't want, I say this, I wouldn't want to be friends with him. I wouldn't want to be married to him. I wouldn't want to hire him, and I certainly wouldn't want him to be my helper in the program. I wouldn't want him to be my father. And in all those categories, all of them, I have found the, the self-worth that I never could because of the program, not because of me. It's a grace. It's a gift. And what I hope people walk out of here today is this. I hope people can walk out of here with an experience of, of hope and we pray for you that you can make a beginning through if you're struggling that you can or if you're in the program and you're really and you're struggling with with the food and gaining some clarity around it right that we can help you make a beginning to launch and to get the benefits of the program 
Um, thank you for letting me share. Okay, I guess um, Bob or Bob or Jeff, do you want to um, uh, introduce Ore and then or introduce Tim and, and take care of all that? Sure. Uh, hi, I'm Jeff. I'm a compulsive overeater, 100 pounder. Uh, and as you see, we are going to have a couple of speakers and then we're going to do a a more instructional piece of uh, what sober eating plan means, but uh, and Ore will be speaking next, and then Tim will take somebody uh, in the from this group of people through the plan. But first, let's hear from Ore. And are you ready, sir? Yes, I am. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and start this timer right here. My name is Ore, everybody, and I'm a compulsive reader. How's everybody doing? And um, Yes, yeah, a great Sunday. I'm going to go ahead and throw up a document. This is going to be my format, my guide for um, for this talk. And um, yeah, so we're going to go off this here. Um, so so before so before I get into this document, um, the first thing I would like to do is define the word concede. And concede it says admit that something is true or valid after first denying or resisting it. And uh, that's my experience. You know, with this overeating thing, um, I, I didn't want any parts of what the overeating group uh, was talking about um, in their approach, their method. As a matter of fact, years ago, um, Jeff M. approached me, and I still remember this day when he first talked to me about overeating. Um, he, you know, he had the, the the glow of an evangelist, and he had just found the overeating group. And he was buzzing, and uh, he, you know, he came to talk to me about it. Um, and uh, this was at the log cabin um, in the morning, and that, just to show you how significant that moment was. And you know, and in true Ori fashion, he started to talk about sober eating and this new group in the valley. And you know, as soon as I heard valley, I was just like, uh, you know, no, you know. And as soon as he's talking about sober eating, my mind shut off, and I didn't have the I didn't have the guts to tell him, you know, I'm not interested in that. But what I did do is just let them rant a little bit and say, yeah, 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 placate his emotions and went about my, went about my way. And at that time, I was young. Um, I thought I was hot shit. And, uh, you know, I had, I had all the answers at that time. You know, I was a, I was a rock star in my eyes. Um, so needless to say, I didn't heed his, uh, his suggestion, uh, his loving suggestion at the time. And uh, needless to say, when I became desperate and uh, when this disease devastated me and took everything, um, I became open again. And so let's get to this document here, sober eating. This is not a prescribed food plan, but simply a method for me to define my food plan by consul consulting with others. And that's something that, you know, like, I just want to say, like, this is just a method that you know, a group of guys, a group of people have found that work for them. You know, I'm not here to force discipline you and, you know, oh, so reading is the only way. Like that, that's, I, my, my intent is not to come off that way. And I hope that I don't come off that way. This is just something that I found that has produced freedom for me. Um, and when it talks about consulting, you know, I used to make, you know, even though I was doing the no sugar, no flour or whatever abstinence I had at that time, um, when it came to consulting with others, when it came to surrendering all my ideas about food and exercise, you know, if I look back, honestly, that's not something that I really wanted to do. I still wanted to hold on. I still wanted to make the decisions I wanted to make. 
And, uh, you know, consultation with others is a big piece to what I do today. And how do I consult? I have a dietitian who's prescribed a food plan um, and any changes to that food plan when it comes to weighing the amounts, the times, the frequency, all that is done, is done by my dietitian. And uh, when it came to defining my alcoholic foods, I did that in consultation with Adam. And, you know, one of the big major things, he was like, no fat guy food. So, you know, when it comes down to it, pizza, chips, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, desserts, things of that nature, he helped me define that as well. Um, sober eating is just the beginning of my recovery. Look, this is just the entry point. I always like to say this is just the entry point. You know, I, you know, we hear that this is a spiritual program, and it's true. Like this, at the end of it, it's like developing a relationship with God. But I firmly believe I can't do that if I'm still in the food. Why would I? You know, like once the once the obsession of the mind is kicked in, and that phenomenon of craving is kicked in, and we'll talk about that later. It's just like I'm 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 cut off. I'm I'm in a different reality. Um, so, you know, the start of it is, you know, you hear somebody, some people say putting down the food. Uh, that's a hard phrase for me to really, because I, I feel like I didn't really put down the food. Um, it wasn't a choice where I woke up one day and say, oh, today I'm going to be abstinent. It was more of I had been beaten into submission and I was desperate for a change. I was absolutely desperate, out of ideas. I was 485 pounds. I was killing myself and I could not stop killing myself with food. And I just reached out to someone and that someone gave me direction and I followed that direction um, because at that point I was absolutely hopeless. And, and that's something that not everybody knows that experience of being completely hopeless. Like I, not, I didn't even have hope in program working for me. Um, I didn't have hope in the institution, that the, 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 the treatment center that I was in six months prior to coming back. I didn't have, like, I was on an island. And the thought came to me, the only place where I know where people had gotten freedom from what I was dealing with was OA. And I didn't think I could get back on, but I know I needed to show up because this was the only, this, like, I, I, I fully understood at that moment what the last house on the block meant. I had nowhere else to go. And I had needed this to work for me. I needed to show up in a different way. And that was my prayers. Like God helped me show up in a different way. And um, like I said, this was the, just the beginning, um, but it was a strong beginning. Like this was just the entry ticket into the amusement park. And the next part of here, it says sober eating helped me to surrender and to access a power greater than myself that had restored me to sanity, both with food and my life. And so going back here, you know, not only has and not only have I been restored to sanity when it comes to food, and with that will soundness of mind, sane, sane eating, sensible eating, you know what that looks like for me is following my food plan. And my food plan, you know, if if you look at it, uh, others tell, it's like I just eat like a regular person from the outside looking in. You know, I have my vegetables, I have my proteins, I have my grains, and there's certain amounts. I have you know my fats and. And, uh, you know, and my meals are planned out at a certain time. So, like, I have sanity when it comes to that. When I get up in the morning, I don't have that overwhelming obsession to go get two big burritos plus the three cookies plus the yada, yada, yada. You know, like, the way I ate was damaging and destructive. Like, it was destructive and it was desperate. You know, when it talks about, when Bill W talked about waking up jittery, you know, like, I, 
I could not start my day unless I got those 7-Eleven cookies, unless I got that Frappuccino, unless I got those warm chocolate chip cookies from McDonald's. You know, like this was, I needed that just to start my day. So once I started practicing the sober, the sober eating way of life, that was a complete surrender. That was me saying that I don't have the ideas. I can't do this of my, uh, on my own. And that's where it started. And that same, that, that same surrender applies to other areas of my life. I like how, you know, one of my favorite sayings, and I didn't create this, but they say, you know, the circus has left town, but the monkey is on my, the monkey is still on my back. Like there's still other issues, right, in my life. Um, as I continue to progress in this spiritual, this spiritual way. But, you know, it's just like the surrender, the surrender action applies to everything else. You know, I have lost the game of life. I've lost the game of making food-based decisions. I've lost the game of life in the sense that I can't rely upon my own thinking. My own thinking continually gets me in trouble. You know, when I think, when I make decisions in a vacuum, um, I tend to get in trouble. I tend, to, I tend to cause pain for myself. And that's not to say that I don't experience pain and I don't make, you know, brash decisions now, but I have a better chance at, you know, getting in contact with that power and getting a better way of, of, of operating in life. So what is food addiction? In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the doctor's opinion talks about the allergy of the body. And when we talk about that allergy, it's it's an abnormal reaction, right? We all know allergies. I'm allergic to cat, cat dander when, you know, it's certain cats, like my eyes start to itch, my nose gets stuffy. Some people are allergic to shellfish, you know, their throat closes up. You know, we, we all know these abnormal reactions that people have. And in the big book, uh, Roman numeral page 28, it says, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. And what I like to do with my sponsees on this part is I like to do a little translation and make this about me. I like to put me in these words. So, you know, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of overeating on these chronic overeaters is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average eater. These allergic types can never safely overeat in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, my problems pile up on me and become astonishingly difficult to solve. That's me. That, that is so me. Um, you know, this action of overeating, and we talk about that chronic overeater, this has been happening for a long period of time. I've been suffering from compulsive overeating for almost all my life. And I'm one of these allergic types where I can never safely overeat. I can never safely eat certain foods. I, I truly believe that. Cheesecake, peach cobbler, like I can never safely do that. I, I don't eat, like even though I have amazing freedom right now from the obsession, like no part of me believes that I can do McDonald's chocolate chip cookies, like just one, like a, a regular person. 
just one out of the blue on a month. Like, I, I just can't do it. Like, I just can't do it. Something happens. Something happens. That allergy kicks in. And eating becomes paramount to everything in my life. I will sacrifice my health. I will sacrifice my family. I will sacrifice everything to continue eating. Continue on. The doctor's opinion also describes the obsession of the mind. See, there's two parts that, that I suffer from, right? Not only am I physically ill, I also have an obsession of the mind. Um, it says men and women drink essentially because they like the effect. So let me translate this. Let me just translate it. Ori overeats essentially because I like the effect produced by overeating. I am restless, irritable, and discontented unless I can again experience the same sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by overeating. Overeating, which I see other people, you know, other people doing with impunity. After I've succumbed to the desire again, as, as I've done before, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they, I pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful, with the firm resolution not to overeat again. I'm going to manage better. I'm going to manage my food better. This is repeated over and over. And unless this person, unless I can experience an entire psychic change, there's very little hope of my recovery. I needed a complete psychic change. I needed a personality shift sufficient enough to bring about recovery from this thing that I suffer from. And for me, that happened on, uh, on July 14th. I believe, what, yeah, four years ago, basically, the thought came into my mind, you know what, let me try today, let me just try to follow the food plan that I had been prescribed in my eating disorder facility. Let me just try today. And it wasn't overwhelming. It was just, hey, let me just try this. And that's what happened. There was a shift in my thinking. Now, there were actions up until that point, um, like, you know, being told to come to the sober eating group. And I came to the sober eating group and I listened and I was a seething ball of anger. I had my angry black guy face on and I wanted no part of what they were talking about, but I showed up. I reached out to one of the guys and he told me to text him what I was eating. So I was taking action and something, something shifted. Something shifted in my personality where I was willing to try that food plan for that day and listen to what the, listen to what the sober eating guys were telling me and to be guided. And that change happened. Overeaters Anonymous definition of abstinence. Abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. You know, for me, um, it's really important that I address this physical component, right? Like this is, I can't just sit in the clouds and say that this is just a spirit. Look, I, I have to, it is. It's a, the spiritual component is like, we know about that, but like I can't, I, I can't gain access to God if I'm not, if I'm, I mean, if I'm still using, you know, maintaining a healthy body weight or working towards a healthy body weight. Look at 485 pounds. Look, there's no sobriety at that point. There's, there's no surrender at that point. Um, I'm not free. I'm in a deep dark hole, and I'm killing myself. So I love this new definition of abstinence. Um, because it, it's not nebulous anymore. And a few bullet points here, not being able to stop eating certain foods once you start, we all know what that is. Once I eat peach cobbler, it's like, I don't want, I don't even want, I don't want to even eat a sensible portion of peach cobbler or ice cream. I don't want to eat just one cookie. 
observe, uh, I'm sorry, obsessive craving for certain foods. We know what that phenomenon of craving is like. We can observe it, but we can't explain why. Why is it that when I overeat, I want more food? When other people overeat, oh, I'm a little full, and they stop. Like, what is it? Why am I different in that way? Something is different about me where I want more food and more food to the point where I'm throwing up at night because I'm stuffed with so much food. And then in the morning, repeating that action over and over. Thinking you can control your intake of alcoholic foods. You know, I, I was in denial for a long time thinking that I could manage and control it, negotiating with foods. It is using food to instantly change our state of mind. Oh my God, like, you know, what, drinking a large chocolate shake, it changes my state of being. It changes my mind. It numbs me out to reality. I'm on a cloud when I eat in that way. Um, over time, always going back to the food. You know, there are always many firm resolutions to stop, but guess what? Going right back over and over again, over and over again. I was a hamster on a wheel. What is sobriety with food? A commitment to identifying these foods, which produce an allergic reaction and an alcoholic response. A belief that we owe it to ourselves to deal with our alcoholic foods like an alcoholic deals with alcohol. I like how Tim says, he, he says, this is a serious piece of business. Um, you know, I don't play around with this because I know for sure it will kill me. Um, and, and, you know, and I've seen, and I've, we, in my men's group, I've seen guys who have died from this, who could not get it. So it is a top piece of business for me. It's very serious. Not everybody has that experience of being 4 and 85. So not everybody's going to feel it the same way I feel it, but I know what it means to be, be, to be killing myself with food. Our aim is to be helpful. I'm sorry. Our aim is with the help of a higher power is to arrest the addiction of removing foods that activate our craving. I can make decisions about food. I mean, I can make decisions about your food, but not about my own. They're going back to the consultation. All food decisions are made in consultation with someone, wives, coworkers, sponsor, fellow, anyone but you. I like this because it's like this concept of, look, anybody, I've been in, in situations where I couldn't measure my food and I'll ask my sister, hey, does this look reasonable? Does this look like a sensible plate? And she'll say, yeah, that's good. Or you need to add a little bit. It looks like it's under, under protein or something like that. You know, not that, they, not that she's even a specialist in this area, but just having someone else make the decision about my food and not letting it get into the circus in my, my thinking. Because I can twist anything. I can make an eight-ounce portion of meat look sensible for me when a four-ounce is, is more sensible for me. That's prescribed amount of food, for example, one plate rule, or weighing and measuring, unless approved by another. The plate will typically be a balance of non-alcoholic foods that support sober eating. And again, a guide, someone having outside consultation can help you define that. In my case, it was my dietitian, or it is my dietitian, and also my sponsor. Why are there struggles with food survival? Oh, man, that's the question, right? Not everybody's not everybody's, not everybody's experiencing that freedom that, and we'll get into the tense that promise. Not, not everybody's living that tense that promise. Um, with such a simple plan, eating only what has been approved, how do I, as an addict, willfully disregard my own sobriety commitment, resulting in a binge or an effort to control and enjoy the food? And here are some things that, here's, here's some, here's some ways that we, like, just basically, 
um, disregard our commitments, right? Willfulness, you know, me wanting to make the decisions. Entitlement, you know, everybody else is eating a certain way. I'm entitled to eat that way. I can treat myself, oh, I'm having problems in my life or I can take the edge off. I can eat what I want. Denial or minimizing, we know what that is. Defiance, and I can put that in just two, two words. Fuck it, defiance. Isolation, no meeting, no outreach calls. I know better. Hunger, ego, edging God out. Graduation, relaxing the standards. That's a big, that's, that's something that's key for me in my recovery today. Um, is not relaxing the standards. Relaxing the standards will get me in trouble and set me up. And they're, you know, not doing my nightly review for several days, not checking in with many, as many guys, not going to many meetings, not doing my, not working with people, um, not working with sponsees. These are the ways that I can relax the standards um, or, you know, not weighing and measuring my vegetables uh, consistently, or, you know, this is the way I allow that, 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 that obsession to start to creep in. Self-pity, oh, that's a big one. And when I, for me, I go from zero to hopeless real quick. That hopelessness is a definite trigger for my disease and wanting to eat more. Um, a little success, oh, I got this. I, you know, I've worked with many people where they, they experience uh, a, a period of freedom and they get to that point where it's just like, oh, you know what, I, I think I'm good, you know. So once the obsession has been triggered, I begin to negotiate with food, eating gray area foods, I was thinking about this earlier, gray area food. For me, there was an experience where, you know, I was doing no sugar and no flour, no sugar, no flour, um, no white flour, right? And, uh, you know, but that, that didn't mean I couldn't eat, uh, you know, buckwheat pancakes with sugarless uh, syrup or, you know, or instead of, instead of syrup, I would do honey. Like, how did that work? Like, honey is sugar. Like, how does that work in my mind? You know, even though I don't do sugar, no sugar, no flour now, but, um, just the way the mind twists, these, these gray areas, these, these ambiguous ways that I can work my way back to food. Fat serenity, uh, this was coined by Roseanne, our founder. Um, and you know, look, fat serenity has a connotation of shame. Um, in, and I've heard it used in a shameful way. Basically for me, the way I, I, I understand fat serenity is I can't claim spiritual progress if I'm still using food. Like those two, in my experience, like why would I work this? Like I, I'm not trying to work the steps if I'm in the food. If I'm using food, I'm not trying to work the steps. It's just, it's, not, it's just those two aren't congruent. Um, so that's the way I look at fat serenity. And, I, and, I, and I've seen people maintain massive amounts of weight in program and still, you know, say that they're, they're, they're abstinent and still spiritually growing. Um, I don't know how that works for them, but for me, that doesn't work uh, for me. Um, selective honesty by editing what you tell others. Yeah, this is a great one. You know, instead of telling my sponsor that I had fried chicken, two pieces of fried chicken, I would say, oh, I had chicken. You know, there's a difference in baked chicken and fried chicken, right? Like, <laughs> we know how the, the creative ways that we lie by omission um, and not telling the full truth. Uh, what does struggle with food sobriety sound like? Um, again, this is not this is not about shaming any individual. This is just about exposing the reality of how this obsession can play with my thinking. And you know, I can go to meetings and I can, like Adam talked about, I can go to meetings and find, you know, shares that support me working my way back to the food. And I I can hear like I ate too much. 
but here's the recovery. Or my food is getting a little wonky or slippery. Uh, my meals have gotten a little big. Um, I'm absent, but I'm in the food. Um, technically, I'm technically absent. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm abstaining from sugar and flour, but I'm technically abstaining from sugar and flour, but, you know, I just basically binged yesterday. And I've had that experience where, you know, I, I was abstaining from sugar and flour, but I was binging. You know, when it comes down to it, I was using food. Um, and for me, like, you know, you hear people talk about being entirely absent, and I have to be entirely absent and across the board. Um, I can't use food, and I can't use certain food, food items. Um, the 10 step promise from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. We will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And I love this promise because it's like, man, it, living this promise, there's an intellectual understanding of this promise and there's actually experiencing it. I never thought that I could actually, even though it says it in the big book, I never, and I've, and I've seen many people that I respect their recovery, they, they're experiencing this. I never thought that I could experience this. I thought that I was always going to be struggling, struggling with the food, you know, I, I, and today, by the grace of God, I'm experiencing this neutrality around food. There are moments where, you know, I'll, I'll think in anger, like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to eat some muffins today. I'm just going to say, fuck it and eat. But then I jump right into action or I recognize that how crazy that is. And I get relief when I take these actions and I do my spiritual work. And I, I want this for everybody. And I hope everybody gets to this place of experiencing that neutrality and that freedom. And the last thing is ultimately, I still have a problem. I have problems, but the food is no longer one of them. And, and just to take a Jay-Z line, he says, I have 99 problems, but the food is not one of them today. So thank you for letting me talk. I'm over here sweating because it's hot. And uh, I hope I was able to share something that could be of help to someone else. Thank you. Thank you, R.A. And uh, we are uh, we're about uh, halfway through our program. Uh, next, we're going to actually put what we've been talking about into action. And so uh, I, we need a volunteer from our, uh, our uh, Zoom audience here. And the what we're looking for, before you raise your hand, you may not want to do this once I tell you what it is. What, uh, what we're looking for is someone who is looking to create a sober eating plan and uh, who is open to suggestion and who is willing to be, you know, to turn their camera on and work with Tim to create your own sober eating plan. And then everybody's going to view that because after that is done, we're going to go into breakout groups with people who are working the sober eating plan uh, and who are part of the sober eating community. And we will then go through each, uh, every individual's uh, sober eating plan. So I've got a couple people. 
who've raised their hand, but only one has their name in there. So Marie S. from Kentucky, can you unmute and say hello? Hi. Where are you? Are you there? There you I'm are. I'm here. I'm here. We see you there. Hi, Marie. I'd like to introduce you to Tim. Tim C. is going to take you through uh, using uh, a, you know, a form that we have and his experience, strength, and hope to try and guide you to a sober eating plan. Tim, are you ready? Yes, I am. All right. Take it away. Okay. Hi, Marie. I'm glad you got a piece of paper because um, I, I don't want to put up uh, the form just yet because everybody then starts rushing it to fill it out. And I prefer that everybody just take and, and then watch what we're doing here. Um, so two quick questions for you. Uh, when Ore was talking about, in the doctor's opinion, uh, um, that you, the chronic compulsive overeater, okay, does, 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 does that something you identify with? Absolutely. Okay. So there are certain foods that once you start, you can't stop. Yes. Okay. And then, and then, and then your experience is you can't stop from starting. Correct. Okay. Okay. So that, that's, a, that's a good definition right out of the big book of, of chronic alcoholic. And we've just converted it to a chronic compulsive overeater. So what I'd like you to put down at the top of that and, and our, how, how far are you willing to go to get freedom over those? As, as far as it takes. Okay. okay. Nothing illegal. <laughs> okay. That's good. <laughs> um, so what we're going to uh, write at the top is just alcoholic foods. And I would really stress everybody else that's, that's watching and listening just to, just to watch. Don't jump ahead because in the breakout rooms, you will go through it with, with another person and you will get to have your experience with this, but not jumping ahead. Just let's be here for Maria because this is, this is a, big, a big moment. Um, okay, so these are alcoholic foods. And underneath that, I'm not going to eat these no matter what, okay? And these are, these, are the, these are the foods that triggered what we talked about, that twofold disease. Once I start, I can't stop, and I can't stop from starting. So what would you say, what would you say your foods are to start off? Sugar. Okay. Absolutely sugar. Okay. Um, fried foods. Okay. Um, not all breads, but bread and bread and butter, you know, okay. toasted. Okay. It, it, can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Is it, is it the bread or is it, is it the butter? Is, is the bread a delivery system for the butter or is it just the bread? Uh, the bread's a delivery system for the butter. Okay. So, so do you have trouble when you cook with butter? No. Uh, okay. So it, so it would be something that, that's like butter and one other thing, not like necessarily. Garlic bread. Like garlic Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, so it might be the combination of the two. It might be the combination of bread and butter together. Yep. It doesn't seem, you, do you have a problem with, say, a sandwich? No. Okay. Okay. So bread and butter together. That's important. Mm -hmm. That's why, and that's why everybody's going to get to go through this on their own because it, what, what's a problem for you might not be a problem for me. And it's very important that we tailor this to, to something that works for you. And it's your, your individual abstinence and your individual commitment. That, and, and so that it's important that everybody gets a different one. So, um, so bread and butter. Can Excellent. I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. I have a problem with chips and nuts, okay. you know, continuous, something that is continuous. Mm -hmm. I have even converted my zucchini into little slices so that I can eat like that. Okay. Is, okay. Is that so, a delivery? So is it, the, is it the chips or is it, is it the grazing? 
Well, it's in one sitting. It's okay. not. It's not a long time. I eat in one sitting, and it's fine. But I think it's the the saltiness and the crispiness. Okay. So you do you uh, um, do you bake the zucchini or do you yes. fry the? Okay. Okay. So so let's just start. Let's start with uh, like wh- how is it with like potato chips and nacho chips and all that stuff. One isn't enough. A thousand isn't enough. So, so let's put let's put let's define corn chips, potato chips. What about those veggie chips that are out there now? Um, how do you feel about those? They make me sick. Okay. So maybe you just put those on. I mean, it's up. To, it, this is your list. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to force you to do anything that you don't. This is your list. Uh, um, so, um, what about popcorn? That's bad. Okay. I mean, it, it's it, listen. Good and bad is 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 a. Okay. Um, it, 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 it just it's not freedom producing. See what we talked about was oh I once I start I can't stop now I'm no longer free, now the food is in charge. Okay, right. and we're looking for freedom producing and non freedom producing. I have no freedom with popcorn. Okay, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, what about what about pizza? I I'm fine with pizza. Okay, okay, good. I mean these are these are when or I talk about the fat guy foods these are kind of the ones that we hit right away and, and if it's not a problem that I, I work with guys who don't have a problem with pizza that's that's okay that's mm-hmm. that's completely fine um so we've got sugar we've got chips we've got uh, um fried foods we've got um popcorn um nuts let's, nuts there you go okay how um are, are nuts right. are, are nuts not freedom producing for you that's not freedom producing. Okay. Okay. So one of the, so so uh, so now question for you with the nuts is it now are we talking like nuts in a salad or are we talking like free floating like oh I'm going to get a cup of nuts. Free floating. Um, I even have like almonds that I bag and I put fourteen in a bag. Uh huh. You know, so I can. I've been calorie counting is how my plan okay. has been. Okay. And it I struggle. Okay. I, I mean I fight to only have one bag. Okay, so, 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 so nuts, let's put nuts, they're out, they're out. Because even, because I'll just load them up in a salad too. It sounds like eat, in any, any form of them, that, you know. So nuts, yeah, let's put that nuts. I mean, that sounds like, if you're looking for freedom, if you're willing to go to any lengths, that sounds like an alcoholic food. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make my salad with a bunch of nuts. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, and, and the question is how free do you want to be today? You know, after we walk out of this, can we, you can have a, you can have a sober plan. You can walk away from, you can literally walk away from this meeting free. That, that's the promise. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, we got bread, we got flour. Um, now flour doesn't bother me. Okay. Okay. That's right. I got cook with it and, and gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and you said, yeah, that, I'm sorry, that was mine. I'm just kind of running through mine. Oh, anything, okay. anything else that you can think of that might, um, that might trigger that mental obsession? Ice cream. Okay, that would be, that'd be sugar. Like even, you know, even when they say it's no sugar added, it's, it, you know, um, like cakes and candies, even the sugar-free versions. Oh, what about, uh, one of the things, what about lookalikes? What about the real, that are, that are right next to it, but, but, you know, are, are really the same in essence. Are you talking about sugar substitutes? Correct. Correct. Um, 
those are off for me because I have a chronic kidney disease. Okay. They're like poison to me. And okay. Okay. So, so, that, so that's good that, that, that medically, but you, uh, you know, maybe just as far as for clarity, we're just not eating those no as well. If I made something with them that is a dessert. Gotcha. I wouldn't, uh, no control. Gotcha. It, it would control me. If it's something that's added to a meal that I'm making to add mm -hmm. flavor, it wouldn't bother me at all. Gotcha. Uh, it didn't bother me in diet sodas. Okay. Okay. So, so, so if, if I'm here, right. And just, just so it's, and it's comfortable for you. What I'm hearing is like any lookalike desserts or any lookalike, um, um, sweet, yeah, sweets, any look, any lookalike sugar substitute, even though there's no sugar in it. it so maybe lookalike sweets and desserts. Okay. Um, crackers. Okay. So, so crackers are a problem. They okay. can be, they can be. Okay. Yeah. When you say they can be, what, what does that look like? Um, I think it's the saltiness, the, the munching, the, okay. the texture. Okay. Um, okay. So, so if I'm, if I'm hearing right, I'm hearing, I'm hearing bread with butter. I'm hearing crackers. I'm hearing. So if I'm, if I can make a suggestion, and, and just I'm going to throw it out there and look at it. It's like, uh, um, is it all breads? No. It's not? Okay. And it's not all crackers either. I mean, okay. we've got salty and they don't. So, so what kind of, what kind of like crackers wheat, do? Wheat thins. Okay, um, wheat thins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ritz. So, so here's, here's the, um, here's where it gets I guess a little scary. Um, my experience working with a lot of people that, that, that we're getting really edged up to, now we're naming specific foods instead of naming a food group. Okay. <laughs> now, this is one approach. It is, it is absolute, and it's yours. I don't want you to feel pressure. I just want, my job is to, to point this out. We're getting, we're getting to a lot of flour products, and, and that's okay. It is, it is, it is, it is your list, but, but I would be really, uh, um, if I, I, I just want to point out that I'm just seeing a lot of flower products and it, it, it's been my experience working with people that if they, if there's room, if there's a little entryway in through, oh, I can have saltines, you know, eventually they find their way back to the Ritz. <laughs> you, I, I mean, that's just, you're going to find that perfect cracker that bridges the gap mm -hmm. and then you're going to be off. And really once the commitment is broken, it is very, very, very hard. It took a lot of courage. It took a lot of bravery to raise your hand and you were one of the first people to go boom and put your name up there and this is what you want. Uh, um, it takes a lot of bravery. The, the question is, is, is that, the keeping the door open for the Ritz crackers or, or the uh, saltine crackers is a saltine cracker worth your peace of mind. Cause oh, that's I what we'll even, Yeah. I but I, I know you them. don't. Right. But, but, yeah. but, but, but can we say what I'm asking for is, are you willing to kind of take the next step and, and maybe trust me and say, Oh, I just can't handle any crackers. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Anything else that you can think of any, um, you know, my experience was, um, 
like high fat foods. You know, I can eat a chicken breast and it doesn't bother me. But if you give me the same amount of like bacon, of bacon and hamburgers, yeah. all of a sudden this is not going to be enough. Do you, do, you see, do you see what I'm saying? So we're looking for freedom producing. You know, right. that's you know, uh, um, with with the bacon, I'm usually fine. But uh -huh. if I'm if it's on a it's it's definitely on a secondary list. Mm -hmm. I'll eat tons of bacon if given the opportunity. So okay. absolutely. Okay. So high fat foods. Uh huh. No, no. This is this is your okay. this is your list. You can you can say that's what you you can say. Listen, I I'm not going to eat bacon. I'm now I eat turkey bacon. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just don't I don't eat bacon because yeah. that to me is not. I, once I'm done with my portion of turkey bacon, I'm done. But you put that same portion of regular bacon, I'm like, you know what? I just got screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I just got screwed. I want more, you know? And that's, that's the theme that I go back to. I'm getting screwed. OA is screwing me. Adam is screwing me. He took food away from me. That's, that's the theme. That's, that's my well-worn path back to, I want more. Um, so, but turkey bacon is freedom producing. I can have the same portion yeah. and, and I'm okay. Um, so, is there anything else? Is there, is there any food that you can think of that we have not? Because you've got all the ones that, that I can think of. Is there any other one that, man, I just, you know, and that you're not ready to surrender? Yeah, I have discovered some fruit, not all fruit, but some mm -hmm. fruit. Um, I like, since I went off sugar, uh -huh. like strawberries, are just a sweeter fruit. And so I'll tend to gravitate and, and want to eat more than mm -hmm. I, than I am allowed. That mm -hmm. if, okay. So, what, what, what fruits are those? Strawberry. Mm -hmm. um, so far, cause I'm not eating bananas cause I know it's the same issue with the, okay. I know, I know they're high sugary, so I haven't even had one. Okay. Um, okay. So do strawberries, I mean, do straw are, are, are strawberries a freedom-producing fruit or a, a, a habit-producing fruit? A habit-producing fruit. Okay. I mean that that that's that takes I, I that takes a lot of courage to be honest about a fruit that you can't have, you can't eat sanely. So I, I really do applaud you. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and so bananas. How do you feel the same way with those? No, because I don't. Bananas are eh. So. Okay. Okay. All right. And here's the thing is, this is your list. It, it can, it, it's probably going to evolve over time. I did not, my list today is not the same list that was at, at, at 90 days. It's a, it's a different list. Okay. So, so it's, an, it's an evolving document. Okay. So do you, do, you, do you feel that we've gotten all the alcoholic foods, all the foods that are havoc producing foods? To my knowledge, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Now, the second thing is these are alcoholic food behaviors, mm -hmm. okay? Eating at the refrigerator. Okay. Right out of oh. the fridge. Okay. Eating while cooking. Okay. How, what about, uh, how about eating fast? How about eating quickly? Yes. No, no. I mean, does, so, so I, what, here's now, now these are, these are, let's just say those aren't the best habits, but these are, what we're looking for is we're looking for beliefs and actions that trigger the phenomenon of craving. Now eating in front of, uh, 
why I ask this is so that we're clear is eating in front of a refrigerator, it doesn't necessarily trigger that, right? It just, you know, it might not be the best thing, but, but if you were eating a grape, it wouldn't trigger that, correct? Yes, it would. Okay, so, so, it would. okay. It, it, so because I'm, uh, it's, it's, it's not set aside for me and it's something that I so can go not, back and eat more. Okay, I will. so it's, it's not approved. So it's not approved. So if, if, if you were approved to eat that grape, you could eat it anywhere, right? right. So, okay, right. so that's good. So it's important. So it's not really eating in front of the refrigerator. It's eating on un, un, uh, un, un, uncommitted food, right? And that's the same thing that cooking is. That's not committed food. Mm -hmm. so so what's important is we just figured out it's not eating in front of the refrigerator it's not eating in front of the tv it's not eating in the car it's eating foods that aren't committed <laughs> it's like free floating foods i can eat anytime i, I want to okay right so so and, and and so what we have to do is we have to set up some some parameters so so like what a lot of the guys that i were it's one plate so if it fits on one plate you can eat it now, I don't know if that works for your body structure and, and your weight loss and all that stuff, but, but you would work out with your sponsor, oh, what my portions are. But once right. those portions are set, we don't eat anything no matter, we don't eat anything past that no matter what. So that unauthorized food, eating while cooking, tasting, all the, you might have to get a, a family member to start tasting your foods for you. Because that would be, un, that'd be uncommitted foods. Got it. Okay, um, so what else? Any, any other behaviors that contribute to, like, like do you have a problem with, let's go, let's go back to the um, zucchini chips. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to those zucchini. Now, are, is it the zucchini chips or is it eating the uncommitted foods? I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I bake, I like to bake them. Uh-huh. And um, I, I don't go and make more. I I'm, I'm don't want to go get more. Right. But I have a nice little pile of, of, of the sliced baked zucchini that I can eat like this. Yeah. And, and, and what, what's, can I ask, what is, what's wrong with that? I'm enjoying it. I don't know. So, so but you, you said you make one sheet of it, right? Uh-huh. Right? Yes. I and measured, weighed. Yeah. So yeah. what, what, what is, what's wrong with that? I guess nothing. <laughs> so, so it, 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 now again, it, it's zucchini. If I'm hearing right, it's just zucchini and you bake it with some olive oil or something on it. I just, uh, spray it with the quick spray and a, a seasoning. Uh, -huh. okay. So, so what's wrong with that? What, you know, I don't, I, I, as long as you discussed it with someone and committed to it, committed it <laughs> what is it doesn't sound like there's any anything triggering now maybe it's a it, maybe it's not part of a, a meal but it could be a snack that sounds like a very healthy snack yeah that that sounds like a freedom producing snack as long as it's a committed snack okay i mean you, and that would be working it out with your sponsor right. but it doesn't sound like it's triggering you and you know once you eat them they're done yep right so yeah. do you see how we're getting some rid of these, some of these old ideas? We're getting rid of kind of good and bad. We're looking for freedom and non-freedom. We're mm -hmm. looking for uh, freedom and, and havoc. 
So, so the zucchini chips are just zucchini chips. And you've said that they're bad because they're chips. Well, they're just baked zucchini. <laughs> so so this, these are the things that we're trying to get past. And these are the old ideas that the book talks about. Um, well, so uh, we've got one thing that would trigger but eating non-committed food. Um, so some people that I work with, it, 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 how, how is it with portion control? Because, because eating too much, feeling stuffed, can, make, can trigger the phenomenon of craving for me. Because, man, I love feeling stuffed. I love that right. feeling of, even if, even if it's abstinent. And, and again, what I ate 11 years ago, I don't eat those quantities anymore. Okay? So, because they will feel, and, and I can trigger then the phenomenon of craving of feeling stuffed. So, does, does feeling overstuffed and overfull trigger you to eat more? I don't believe so because okay. I have gastric problems and it's extremely painful. Okay. Okay. Um, excellent. No, that, and I'm just, this has been my experience and I'm trying to recall all the experience. Is there anything that you can talk about that uh, ac actions and behaviors and beliefs that trigger, that trigger the, the, the twofold disease in you? Well, I had heard that this is a supposed to, that you're not supposed to be watching TV, that you're supposed to just sit with your plate and, and eat in a certain way and that other ways were uh, improper behaviors. Or okay. Uh, and again, we're, uh, I try to get away from that, what I should and shouldn't do. Right. Because what works for me might not work for you. And this is where it's so important that we, that we really figure this out. And I don't care how long it takes. We're going to figure, we want to figure this out, what works for you and that you can walk away with a, man, this is something that I can do that we can, there's some peace there. Okay. Uh, um, so if eating in front of it, I eat in front of the TV, like my family movie night is in front of the TV. But, uh, but here's the thing is my plate, it's, it's an absent plate, you know, the, yeah. I get, I, and, 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 and so it's just, it's just my plate. You and know? when it's gone, it's gone. It's done. Yeah. yeah. And the great part is I ate that yesterday. So, wow, I'm going to be full at the end of this one again today. So that's ha good for me. Um, so, so we've got those, we've got the, the behavior of eating non-committed foods, right? right? That's the only one that you can think of is, is that would trigger like the, the, the phenomenon of craving, the mental obsession. And, yep. and so that's, and that's a really good one. That's a good one. Um, so now we're going to start another section. Okay. And this one you might be able to fill out a little bit better when you go into a breakout room, but I'm going to give you my number and everybody, everybody out there can take my number. This is people you can call that will help you make a sober food decision. Okay. And my number is 323-369-8048. Okay. And you can call me to help you make a, a sober food decision. Okay. And then, and then once you go into your breakout room, you will have a group of other people that, and I believe the chat will be enabled and you'll be able to get other people's numbers who have a, sim, a similar dialogue, a similar experience of like, Oh, we know what we're talking about here. We're not talking about, I shouldn't eat in front of the TV or, or, or just because, just because I eat uh, a zucchini chips out of a bowl, they're bad. You know, I mean, that, we, can get, we can get some strange ideas in meetings. We're, what we're trying to do is figure out what works for you, what's going to fit you and, and bring you peace, okay? So you'll get more of those numbers 
in the breakout room after we're done here. So now we, we've got program tools. The next section is program tools that can promote sober eating. Okay. So what, what are program, what are program tools that you like to use? Um, the phone is a big okay. one for me. Excellent. And now you've got my number that you can call when you want to, when you, number one, you can call and help. I can help you make a decision or you can call when you don't, when you want to eat and, but yet off your plan. So you can call anytime, you know, I might not be able to answer, but you can call. Okay. What's another, um, this What's isn't necessarily program one, but I have a, a texting group, an OA texting group of six of us. Yeah, that's that a, absolutely. Yeah. And again, these, that's why we put, it, we put this on there for you. This is what brings you peace. Texting. Awesome. These don't right. have to be program tools. These are your tools. What, what brings you peace? Um, going to meetings. Okay. Workshop. Good. Yeah. Workshops. Great. Literature. Okay, literature, excellent. And um, sponsoring. I love oh, sponsoring. I, I completely agree with you there. I love that. It, it, it keeps me in line so well because when I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, maybe I should do that too. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> yeah, so that's excellent. Another one. Yeah, okay, good. So you got a list of things, these tools that promote sobriety with food. You know, because they're going to keep you all of a sudden when you're talking to your sponsees about sober eating and, and, and helping them along and they're helping you along. All of a sudden, it's a constant. It's it's in your mind. It's at the forefront. It's, oh, this is what I this is what we do here. And, and so it really helps. OK, so now if you want to start a new page, what we're going to do is we're going to go through. We're going to go through a day. And we're going to list some breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. And if you eat snacks, I don't know. I eat snacks. If you eat snacks, we're going to list some, some authorized snacks, some, some freedom-producing snacks, some committed snacks. So let's go through breakfast. Let's, let's start listing a couple breakfasts out there. I make 100-calorie um, breakfast muffins. Okay. Okay. So talk to me about the breakfast muffins. It's got one egg. It's got a tablespoon of cheese, a tablespoon of turkey crumble, and onion, green peppers. Oh, okay. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, baked, that sounds baked great. Baked into a cupcake. Oh, nice. Excellent. And, and, and how, much, how many of those do you eat? One. You just have one for breakfast? Uh, under my doctor, I have been on a 500 to 800 calorie diet a day, so it's very, very mm -hmm. low. I've lost 100 and 70. Oh. Um, but um, I have health issues and stuff. And so okay. Okay. I'm still. So, so a little asterisk to everyone else out there. <laughs> this, is, this is her food plan. Do not compare your food plan to her food plan. Do not compare your abstinence to her abstinence. It's important that you get your food plan and abstinence with someone else not don't take it off of someone don't don't say that oh because they do it i should do it it's very important this is why we're spending this time and in time should be spent i go through every every person that i sponsor we go through this process one on one because it's critical it's critical that we set you up for, with a plan 
that brings peace. And so yours, one, one uh, that I'll, I'm already, I'm already, I'm, yeah. I, I'm already thinking about breakfast. <laughs> yeah. And I do, I see a nutritionist once a month. Uh-huh. I see my doctor and the person I report my daily food to is a registered nurse who specializes in nutrition. A friend wow. of mine. Okay. So, Great. Okay. Perfect. Uh, so, so one of your, is there any other breakfast that you eat? Sometimes um, I'll have three egg whites, hard boiled uh-huh. egg whites. Yeah. Um, is there any like a fruit, a fruit and yogurt some, combination? Sometimes I will have a half cup of cottage cheese with a fruit. Okay. Uh, or blueberries, a half cup of blueberries. Okay. Whatever. Excellent. Now, quick question, and, and, and this just, uh, this, what do you call? And can somebody do me a favor and stop privately texting me? I, I, I have a really hard time focusing. Um, so I just thought of something. How are you with uh, um, like uh, nutrition bars and cliff bars and all that stuff? How, are, are, do, are those like, hey, once I start eating that, it's kind of like sugar to me. That's yeah. me. How, are you, how do you feel about that? I don't go near them. Okay. Do you, do you not go near them because they're not freedom producing? Correct. Okay. So let's go back and we're going to put that on that list. Nutrition bars. Yeah. Yeah. Protein bars, cliff bars, you know? Yeah. I do occasionally have a, I haven't had for a long time protein shakes. And okay. They, so those are fine. Okay. And I just have them for breakfast. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I can make, um, oh, one more page. I can make um, mini omelet with one egg. Okay. Write that down. Yeah, that's perfect. And occasionally I just have some fruit. Okay. I've, I've been walking. I was in a wheelchair, so this is huge. And mm-hmm. I've been walking. And when I get back, and I go very early in the morning, and when I get back, I don't feel like eating, mm-hmm. and, but I'm usually very hot, so I get a, a light fruit to eat, and, and then I just wait to eat at lunch. Okay, okay. So, so, so one piece of fruit, okay? Because we want, we want real clarity around the fruit and what we're going to do and what okay. we're not going to do. So one piece of fruit. So we've got the, we've got, you've got about five different breakfasts there. Mm-hmm. You've got five different breakfasts that, as far as I'm concerned, and you have a sponsor, and I would double check. So anything I say that doesn't match with, the, with who you're working with, I would go with what your sponsor's saying. This is just, this is just what works for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you've got any five of those breakfasts, they are pre-approved. They are, you're good. With, as long as there's nothing more or no changes to those five, you can eat those. Done. Okay, so now let's move on to lunch. What are some of the lunches that are freedom-producing lunches that, oh, okay. One of my favorite is to take um, turkey breast, sliced thin deli turkey breast, mm-hmm. and put a little must, mozzarella cheese. Uh-huh. I get like five of those, and if I have them for dinner, I'll do six or, or seven, depending on what I've eaten during the day. Gotcha. little mozzarella cheese rolled up and put in the microwave for a few seconds. Okay, okay. So, that, so that's good. So let's get and, clear. Let's get clear. So it would be how many pieces of turkey? Usually it's calorie. I, I, well, I count the calories. So usually at lunch, it's five. Okay. So perfect. So it's five. So that's, that's, that's perfect. Up to five. Uh, yeah. And okay. no more than an ounce of mozzarella cheese all told. There you go. 
So that's one, that's one lunch. Perfect. And as one zucchini and one squash. That's, that's my kick right now. I'm just that's really awesome. those. Good for you. And that's a lunch. Okay. And is there any other lunches that you would like, you know, uh, any other types of proteins or anything like that that we could just say that are freedom producing right now? Um, I eat pork loin. Uh-huh. Um, I have, uh, can I just go to the meats and just say the Sure, meats yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, um, um, fajita meat. I have beef and chicken that I get, that it's all mm -hmm. seasoned. And, and yep. I just, it's, I get um, two ounces of that. And um, it's, it's just an easy way. It's already made, you know, Perfect. broken up. Perfect, yeah, okay. So fajita, fajita meat with, with your vegetables, right? Right. Okay. Right. That's perfect. Or, or pork with the vegetables. Or pork Same with thing. the vegetables. Um, there you go. I do occasionally have salad. Mm -hmm. um, with I have a salad dressing that I make that has no sugar, uh -huh. no sugar substitutes, and uh -huh. it's almost no calories. Um, and it's I have a cup and a half of salad if I have. Okay. A, a, I I get the pre-made salads okay that, that have some little bit of carrots in them but very little and they don't the sugar in the carrots doesn't bother me gotcha okay good so good uh, green beans um i love green beans and uh -huh. so a lot of times sometimes i may have a whole can of green beans uh -huh. um, i will have oh chicken okay obviously any chicken that i have is there's no added stuff to it unless mm -hmm. I'm having leftovers from the night before. Um, I make a, a garlic chicken with uh -huh. gravy that just has a little bit of flour in the chicken juice with gotcha. a little cornstarch. Okay. And, and that's it. There's, uh, and mushrooms. Okay. I love mushrooms too. Oh, good. Favorite lunch, a portobello mushroom cap, a big one with mozzarella cheese on top and it's broiled mm -hmm. um and it's very satisfying okay so, no more no more than an ounce of mozzarella cheese there you go so you've got your portobello. your portobello with mozzarella cheese excellent mm -hmm. um zucchini mm -hmm. sliced quarter inch tiny bit of no sugar added uh ragu uh, -huh. uh spaghetti sauce yeah. with a turkey pepperoni on top uh-huh uh is a an, it's a great satisfying meal and it's it, a very low calorie and that's great okay so that's six seven and so, meals there. and so none of those none of those uh none of those meals or combinations of those meals are havoc producing they're all free all. once you're done with them you're like I'll be good till I'll be good till whatever snack or whether it's dinner, whatever that might be. And I often have an orange. Okay. Okay. Or, or a, a fruit depends on whether I had a fruit with breakfast or not. Gotcha. Gotcha. No. Okay. Hey Tim, this is Jeff. I hate to interrupt, but we're going to uh, need to wrap this up in just a few minutes. Okay. You got it. You got it. We're about, we're about dinners right here. Yeah. Okay. So what are some dinners? Um, I make a lot of low calorie, very low calorie uh, chilies with okay. uh, lean ground meat, being uh, like uh, black beans uh -huh. and uh, 
corn sometimes, but I don't like corn a lot, but my husband does. So, okay. Um, and, uh, I, I don't cook with sugar, gotcha. I'm, uh, salt, pepper, whatever. Um, and, and usually they're under 200 calories. There's nothing addictive. Uh, okay. So you've got your chili and then what about portion wise on, on the quantities I, of that? Oh, uh, that's a cup. Okay. One cup. Okay. It's very small. Perfect. But it, but it works for me. Okay. Um, and gosh, I don't eat any prepackaged foods, uh, okay. any frozen food or anything like that because of the, um, the stuff in them. Gotcha. Uh, I again have the same vegetables that I like. Gotcha. I okay. like radishes too. Sometimes I'll, I'll just have some radishes or, or just mushrooms as, okay. as a side. Okay. Um, eat a lot of chicken. So, so you've got, you've got a combination of foods that you can walk through the day and you could choose, I'll take the first breakfast, I'll take the third lunch and I'll take the second dinner and, and be at peace. The decisions, here's the key, the decisions have been made. Absolutely. All those, all those according to me. And I, again, let me, you should check this out with your sponsor because they, they've got the whole picture of you. I, I just see this, that's it. They know you. So they would be the ones to say, that sounds reasonable. Now, do you eat any snacks? I'm allowed snacks. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Okay. What are what are some what are some snacks that you eat? Uh, a fruit would be a snack. Okay. Um, I was I was having fourteen almonds. Okay. <laughs> for, right. for a snack, that's right. gone now. Uh huh. Um, I don't know. Okay. So you've got a piece of fruit. You've got yeah. you you've got what do you call it? You've got uh, you could do the also. I mean, according you could do the you could bake the veggie chips. Yeah, I, and, I could have the veggie chips. I could have a, a protein. Yeah, yeah. Know. All those, all those are freedom producing in the in the portions that you're allowed to under nutritionist care, and th those would all be good. Okay, so so what you've got right now is you've got a a food plan with many different options that have no alcoholic foods in them. Okay, and then that's all freedom producing. Okay, you've got a set of tools of people that you can call. You got me. You're going to get more people you can call. So this to me is like you've done remarkable work. You've got a lot of things out there. So let's everybody give her a round of applause and some thumbs up and hands, jazz hands, you know, um, because this takes a lot of courage. So Tim, I you want to uh, land a prayer with her like you did with Darius? Yes. Um, thank you very much much Lord for, for the honesty that's been portrayed here today um, this this plan is a wonderful plan it's a great plan um, we all have wonderful plans that none of us can do on our own uh, um, this is a great great thing that we've done but we need support to to enact this plan because what we are is powerless and and, and what we need to do is access power so let's let's um, is it Maria Marie Marie, I'm sorry. Marie, let's, let's all give Marie a hand, hand of applause and prayers that, that she can access power so that she can enact this plan. Thank you. Thank you, Marie, and thank you, Tim. Uh, and for everybody else still online, in just a moment or two, we're going to start to go into breakout rooms where you'll work with one of the sober eating guys uh, or people who will help you to create a plan much like that yourself. But in order to do that, we need to give you a document that you can fill out either on your computer or on your device. There are certain ways to do it.
So you are about to be randomly assigned to one of the several Zoom breakout rooms. Please make sure to note of your breakout room number so that the host help desk can return you to that room if you happen to temporarily get disconnected. Some participants will use this main room as their breakout room. Right now, before we activate the breakout rooms, make sure that you have the Sober Workshop handout file. There's a bunch of different ways to get that. The document is a PDF formatted worksheet, which means you'll be able to actually fill it out if you download it. If you are unable to access the form, you can simply write the worksheet on a piece of paper or into a blank document on your device. Obviously, there's going to be a bunch of people just walking it through you just like Tim did. So don't panic if you're having trouble downloading the worksheet. And then when the breakout sessions end, you'll automatically be returned to the main room. So thank you all again for participating. Good luck in your own personal sober eating workshop. And um, thank you everyone for helping put this on. Thank you, Melissa, for facilitating this as well. Bob, how, what's going to happen next? All right, everybody. Uh, you are simply going to find yourself in a breakout room. This does not happen instantaneously. Be patient. Uh, your journey may actually take a few entire seconds. Ready? Oh, and remember, a, a, a pen and a paper is all you need to follow along with your group. Here we go, everybody. Breakout rooms are opening now. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Jeff. I'm a compulsive overeater. Just so you know a little bit about me, uh, I've been abstinent for a little over 11 years. I've lost over 115 pounds in this program. Uh, and uh, I, uh, real briefly, I was abstinent. I gave up certain foods. I started eating on a food plan. And then I lost a bunch of weight and then started gaining some back. Uh, because to me, a meal was uh, meal time meant time, not meal. So I didn't have an actual meal. I had a time where I ate. And I didn't really have any discipline around my food. I heard Adam speak. He, taught, he said to me and to the room that sobriety with food is different than abstinence because abstinence is what I don't eat. Sobriety with food is how I do eat. And that made a lot of sense to me. And so uh, I worked with my sponsor, who happens to be Tim, and we created a sober food, work, uh, a sober food program that I do not deviate from no matter what. And to me, that's a big help because I get to uh, uh, have real big, bold black lines around my food. There's no gray area. There's no negotiation. And so for me, that helps a lot. And that is what we hope that we can give you today is something that's clear and, and digestible, if you'll pardon the pun, uh, and allows you to have freedom from compulsive overeating and freedom from negotiation and all that other stuff. One of the things that there's a couple things I should say before we start, which is I'm glad you're all here. We're now sort of our own little group, and I hope that we become sort of uh, abstinence buddies as we move through the program. And I'd love for everybody to exchange phone numbers. I'd also love it if it's possible, and if it does not, uh, if you don't find it objectionable, if you can turn on your camera so we can all see each other, I think that would make us a little bit more of a, of a one big happy family type of group. Uh, but uh, uh, if you're uncomfortable doing that, I certainly we're not going to force anyone into doing anything. Okay. Lastly, the one thing I will say is that we talked about getting rid of old ideas, and you know that the book tells us that very specifically. 
And a lot of times, all the ideas have to do with calorie counting, that food is good or bad, that we are good and bad if we eat certain foods. I personally don't like to use the good and bad you know, uh, descriptors because I'm not a bad person trying to get good. I have a disease and I'm trying to get well. And there's a big difference between a bad person trying to get good and a sick person trying to get well. So here's what we're gonna do. Is everybody able to download that sobriety with food handout or most of you, yes? Shaking your head or a thumbs up or anything like that, okay. So we're gonna start with that because you know, basically the, you know, what, what we're trying to do is determine what our alcoholic foods are, foods that I can't eat like a gentleman, foods that I think about eating more of before I stop eating them, foods that I can't control once I've started and I can't stop from starting. So we want everyone to write down their alcoholic foods uh, you know, uh, and be as specific as you want. When people say to me sugar uh, or recreational sugar, I like to ask them to say, well, give me a little bit more specifics, cookies, candy, ice cream, frozen yogurt, thing, you know, things of that nature. And remember, they're not bad foods. You're not bad if you eat them. They're alcoholic foods that you would be best off avoiding. Okay, so let's frame our recovery, not from a good and bad place, but from a place where we all have a disease and that disease keeps us from able, being able to stop from starting eating, eating certain foods or stop eating certain foods, okay? So everyone write down those foods and in a minute we're gonna go around the horn and hear some of them. Uh, and uh, if you want to have a more specific or personalized sober eating experience with me, uh, give me a call. We'll set up a time to do it in the next 36 hours and we'll get you started if this doesn't complete the task for you. But right now, I'd like you all to write down, if you can, if fillable in that form, what are the alcoholic foods that you will not eat no matter what? And I'm sorry for all this ringing. All these guys are uh, texting back and forth before, uh, and it's ringing on my machine here. So I apologize about that. I will give you a minute or so to take a look. And you know, it's any sort of foods. It doesn't necessarily have to be foods that most people would find classically addictive. You know, uh, there are people, I have guys who are addicted to corn. I have guys who are addicted to peas. You know, and they just can't stop eating them. So it doesn't really matter uh, if it's something that you can buy in plastic in a 7-Eleven or something that they would serve to you at a four-star restaurant. Okay. So everybody's writing those foods down. Yes, Jennifer? Yeah, I can, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, um, I couldn't unmute before. So I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm Jen from, um, Jen O, Compulsive Eater from New York. And I've been in program for five and a half years. My higher power is lifted 104 pounds. Um, I've been off of, you know, mostly abstinent. I did have a relapse um, about three months ago where I didn't go to my alcoholic foods, but I did get real sloppy and food was calling. And, um, you know, so I'm kind of recommitted to program now, but I just, I also just gave up, uh, I've been off sugar the whole time, but I gave up stevia, right? And um, I am having a really hard time with it because it's, it's been a, a, like, I didn't realize how much I was relying on that for my tea, my coffee, my smoothies. And it's been two weeks. Um, and I want to recommit to real super, super clean, sober eating. That's part of it, but I'm struggling. I'm going through a withdrawal with that. So I didn't know it was, you know, going to be so hard. So anyway, I just heard about this workshop today and my higher power led me here and thanks. I counts.
Great. So um, we have uh, the alcoholic foods discussion that we'd like to have. So uh, Jim, let's start with you. Can you read us off a few of your alcoholic foods? Yeah, for sure. Um, let me move away from the fan. Probably pretty noisy. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the absolute definites are ice cream, cookies, donuts, and pie. Um, just uh, love the sugar. And um, yeah, I mean, those, those are the definites. Um, I do have a lot of foods that are just that are question marks that I don't really know about. What about fried foods? How do you how how's that? Do you, can you control and enjoy those? I don't know how to I don't know how to define control. Um, I I wouldn't say that I get completely insane with fried foods. No, it's not that's not the same as sugar. Okay. Um. Yeah. All right, yeah, I, I, I mean, Jim, I'm gonna keep popping around because I just got a note that said we have 20 minutes left and we have just started. Go ahead. So I wanna just, I'll just do a couple with a couple people. And then, like I said, if you wanna do this on a more personal level, we can do it together or you can call anyone from this group and do it. The idea is that we tie our brain to someone who's in recovery, not to someone whose ideas around food are still broken like mine were for 40 years of my life. Okay, Jenny, uh, Jen O, can you want to tell us a few of your alcoholic foods, please? Sure. Um, all forms of sugar, um, flour, bread, pasta, breaded and fried foods. Um, now I'm adding to my list sugar substitutes. That's on it. Um, sweet potatoes with blue cheese dressing, um, pizza, eggplant chips, um, nuts, like any kind of coated or nuts, but a few uncoated nuts in a salad is okay for me. Fruits like dates, red grapes, pineapple, and dried fruit. And, and I have to say that bravo, Jen, because you know, for me, that's a great list because it really corners your alcoholic foods. In other words, you know, uh, and, and Jim, no, uh, I'm not trying to, there's no offense, you know, what I'm saying here. But when you say I'm, I'm allergic to sugar, you know, that's great because it's probably true. But, you know, there's probably more foods that, that you're allergic to that we just need to sort of talk through. So a, 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 a list here that, you know, that helps you get to that place of peace and freedom around food includes some general foods and some very specific foods. Okay, we'll do one more. Diana, do you have some foods you'd like to share with us? Uh, yes, uh, sugar flour, pasta, fried foods, anything like cookies, cakes, pies, uh, milkshakes, uh, chips, pizza, nuts. Um, because I've acid reflux, it's no tomatoes, no onions, and also cheese, dairy, soy foods, gluten foods. Also, I, I'm still need to be tested for hyperthyroidism and I was looking it up. Um, I am not allowed to have no dairy, no soy foods and no gluten fruit foods, no gluten foods. Right. And, and you know, it's funny you talk about, uh, medic, uh, about a doctor. Yeah. I've always said that one of my definitions of someone who's in recovery versus someone who's in the disease is when the doctor tells you not to eat certain foods, you actually don't. 
uh, because for years doctors said to me, oh, uh, you know, uh, don't eat this, don't eat that. And I just didn't listen and did it anyway. Okay, so we're good because we are limited in time, I'm going to move on. Uh, and again, I invite everyone, uh, the, I'll be busy for about an hour after the meeting, but anytime after that, call me and I'll be happy to sit with any of you and walk you through the list because sometimes, you know, have, or if you have a sponsor and you want to do this with your sponsor, that's also great. But don't, don't be afraid to be challenged on your list. You know, if, if you say something, if someone says, what about this, what about that? You know, my first reaction when I you know, would be like, go to hell, don't tell me what to eat. You know, but try to, uh, you know, have an open mind around, uh, around what foods you may or may not be having difficulties with. People you can reach out to, to with food decisions. I hope all of you had a pen. As you can see, I have scratched everybody's uh, name out here and uh, I have an ambition and I'm not sure quite how to do it, but to create a uh, texting group with all of us so that we can keep in touch after this uh, if you'd like. But uh, there's other people in your world that you can reach out to for food decisions. Uh, and you know, it's perfectly fine to do that and you should write those folks names down and numbers. Uh, I had a fellow in this program who his wife was, he would turn to his wife, is that a normal size portion? Is that a normal size portion? program tools that can help you support sobriety, okay? Um, program tools, you know, uh, would be obviously phone calls, texting, writing, reading, uh, you know, and we all have experience with that. Karen, you wanna share us what tool works best for you when you're in a bad spot? Uh, yes, somebody I sponsor wanted to text her food to me every day, I mean, multiple times a day. And uh, so we do a co-sponsoring thing. So every bite I put into my mouth, I text. Um, so we, um, and so that stops me on many occasions because I think, all right, if you're gonna eat this, you're gonna have to tell someone about it. So that, that is very helpful. Thank you, Karen, great. Barton in England? What's your tool of choice? Um, well, my tool of choice, um, I would say, is meetings. Because when I went to like the virtual um, conference, uh, I was able to do 11 meetings in one day and nine meetings the next day. So I did 20 meetings. I was trying to do at least one meeting a day. I was trying to do 90 and 90. But now I'm on 115 um, days. And I've, I must have done, I don't know how many. I must, I've done hundreds upon hundreds of meetings which um, is equivalent to quite a few years of the people who go, used to go once a week to the face-to-face -face locally. <laughs> it's sort of like and playing online poker, you get a lot, a lot more experience a lot faster. Okay, yeah, and fi finally, iPhone, whose name isn't appearing in there, but whose picture is in there. Uh, why don't you share your favorite is, tool? For is that me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm sorry, Monique. I had to go from my iPad to this. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, okay, so my favorite tool is outreach calls and reading literature, so I give two. But outreach calls really are beneficial for me. Great, thank you very much for that. Okay, so there's a, as you can see, there's a lot of options. Uh, I myself, uh, you know, I love in-person meetings, the Zoom meetings, uh, I do a lot of, but uh, I have to be honest, I tend to read the newspaper or, you know, listen for my kids breaking things downstairs or whatever else there might be going on. Uh, uh, but uh, phone calls is really great for me, uh, and the big book for me is obviously a big tool as well. Now, one of the things we talked about is, you know, in terms of sober eating, you know, there, we have some sort of 
guidelines. I, I like to call them rules of the road, but people don't really like the word rules in our program. Uh, you know, because it's all, you know, this is all free choice. But generally speaking, in the sober eating community, uh, we, uh, we work on, you know, creating this food plan, which we're about to do. And then we, you know, it's one plate, no seconds, no eating off of other people's plates, no free floating food or snacks, you know, fruits and snacks, etc. And we adhere to what you know, what we've committed. There are people, you know, we, someone just, uh, Karen talked about texting food. Guys actually text me pictures of their food. You know, just before they eat it, they text me pictures. That's one way to do it. Uh, I don't do that. I actually report my food to my sponsor, who is Tim, by the way, who you saw earlier. Uh, and I report my food to Tim every day in an email where I also do sort of an 11th step, you know, a, a little recap of the day before and give them some information about what's going on, et cetera. So that's how I do it. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but accountability is important. And also creating a food plan where I have a plate. And when I say a plate, it's a plate. It's not a platter. It's not a serving dish. It's not you know, a crock pot, it's a plate. And I can fill that plate with the protein that I've committed and as much fruits or I'm sorry, as much vegetables as I can. I occasionally, I went to a nutritionist myself. She told me I needed to add some rice or potatoes every now and then. So I've added some rice and potatoes and those are weighed and measured. My protein is weighed and measured. Everything else that I can put, you know, and any produce, in other words, fruit or vegetables that I can put on the plate, salad, you know, broccoli, blah, 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 just as long as it fits on one plate. Okay. But if you build it too high, I'll give you a fair warning. If you build it too high, it tends to spill off. And you don't want to get there, okay? Uh, excuse me, Jeff. Even even if you eat a lot of vegetables that pile up on your plate, is that uh, is that like breaking the rule or out of the question? If it's vegetables, uh, let me ask you a question, Laura. Uh, have you ever uh, opened up the fridge and eaten broccoli for twenty minutes and then closed the fridge and felt guilty about it? No. <laughs> okay. So so you know. You know, I'm a first things first kind of guy. You know, I binged on crap, right? You know, if you put a bottle of, people often talk to me about ketchup. If you put a bottle of ketchup and a bottle of chocolate sauce in my refrigerator, okay, and you walk away uh, and I'm not on, in program, I will down the chocolate sauce and it'll be gone the first night and the ketchup could be there for 20 years. Okay, I've never binged on a bottle of ketchup. So I eat ketchup. Now, some people object to that, but for me, Ketchup isn't a, isn't a trigger food. So, you know, if there's a vegetable that is a trigger food, then perhaps you, you, know, you need to talk to either me or your sponsor about it and you can determine whether or not it's a safe food for you to eat. But, you know, I've never you know, broken down, a, you know, I've never wanted to break into a store and steal a pound of green beans. <laughs> never happened to me. So that's, that's why, you know, we, we tend to do, to do it that way. So let's talk about what the, you know, is there, does everybody here eat three meals a day? Is there anybody here who doesn't? I see Monique is saying no. Yeah, I eat snacks too. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying only oh, okay. three meals a day. I mean, you know, generally, you know, because I eat three meals a day plus two snacks. Let me tell you what, what I do just real quickly. Not that that's what you should be doing, but just as an example. I will talk about my breakfast in a minute. For lunch and dinner, I eat between six and eight ounces of protein and produce. If I eat rice or potatoes, it's a half a baked potato 
or I can actually chop that up. I don't put butter and stuff in it, but I can make cubes, I can boil it, I can do all sorts of fun things, but not fry them because I don't eat fried foods. Um, or rice, half a cup of rice. Other than that, whatever I put on the plate, salad, vegetables, it's all good. I do that twice a day. I also have two snacks. Uh, my snacks are very proscribed. They come after 4 p.m. and after dinner. And they're either two ounces of, peanut, of, of nuts two ounces of, uh, of protein, beef or turkey jerky, or perhaps even you know, turkey or ham or roast beef, uh, or a, a piece of fruit. And a piece of fruit does not mean a watermelon or a pineapple. It means a normal piece of fruit. Now, I will admit that sometimes I go shopping for apples the size of my head. I can't always find them, but I can find a large apple and that's fine because it's a moderate snack. Uh, my breakfasts are either uh, two eggs uh, and protein uh, and a side of fruit, or two uh, cups of sugar-free yogurt and a side of fruit and, and a banana, uh, or you know, in, in uh, deference to my Jewish heritage, lox, eggs, and onions. That's the three things I'll eat for breakfast, and I'll eat them if I go out. I'll have lox, eggs, and onions. Otherwise, I eat the other things. I commit that food and I send it in. It's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. And I can pretty much get it wherever I go. Because when people say, oh, I go to a restaurant, I couldn't get what I want. There's not a restaurant in Los Angeles that won't serve me a piece of chicken and a salad. There is not one restaurant that won't do that. And I ask, how much chicken is that? If I go to say Chipotle, I say, I want the bowl. I want chicken in the bowl. How much chicken do you put in? We put in three or four ounces. Okay, double the chicken. Because I need six to eight ounces of protein because I'm a growing boy. Uh, you know, but that's my, that, so that's my experience. It's very specific. And so the more specific that you can get, the better this will work for you. So breakfast, what do you guys do for breakfast? Who hasn't spoken? Bonnie, I don't think we've heard from you. Bonnie Jean? Ah, you need to unmute yourself. Sorry. There you I, go. Okay. Uh, yeah, there I am. Um, I eat, I get the egg whites in a, uh, like a container, like a milk container. So like a cup of egg whites, I can have like, I can have a cup of rice, I can six ounces of potatoes, uh, half a cup of oats, um, and then I have a fruit. And that, and then also, well, breakfast could be some other type of pro, uh, protein. I'll eat chicken for breakfast. So for me, a portion would be four ounces. So four ounces of chicken, turkey, ground turkey, uh, beef, um, but it's but it's a four but it's four ounces, and also then it would be a half then it would be um, a cup of dairy because that would make it six for breakfast. I don't eat so much for lunch and dinner. That's four ounces. That that's great. But see how specific Bonnie Jean got. It's four ounces. It's a cup. It's specific. You know, I had a sponsor say I had some peanuts. Some is not a measurement. In case anyone needed to know, some is not a measurement. Because some to you means different than some to me. A quarter cup, a half a cup, a cup. Those are measurements. Two ounces, four ounces, two tablespoons. These are measurements. Okay? These are not, you know, some or a, a handful. You know, I, I have, this is my hand. Martin's got a big hand. You know, uh, 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 you know other people, uh, you know, uh, Diana or, uh, or Laura, they may have smaller hands than me. So our handfuls are different. Elise, what do you got for breakfast? And then we'll move on to lunch. My name's Elise, and I am a compulsive overeater. Um, I just popped back into the workshop, so I was at another meeting. And um, for breakfast, I had half a cup of cold oats, 
and I mix that with half a cup of um, plain yogurt. And then I had um, quarter a cup of blueberries. Great. And I had um, tea and milk. But that's, that's great because again, we're talking specific measurements and, and specific things. And I assume that you've cleared this with a sponsor or another compulsive eater before you eat that, right? No. Okay, well, that is one of the things that we think because I can't, I've lost, you know, my food thermostat is broken. My intuition around food is broken. I, I am that. a compulsive eater. So we like, and I'm not saying you're wrong or bad, at least please don't take it the wrong way, but we do like to talk about this with another compulsive eater, someone who's in recovery and perhaps even in recovery of a day, a two, three, a year or two, three ahead of you who has some experience around that. So we do try to make sure that we talk to somebody else about this. Okay, we're gonna to move to lunch. Okay, again, you know, the other thing about the sober eating plan that I work and the sober eating plan that we like to talk about is that we like to put time parameters around it. Okay, because I'm a compulsive eater. If I, I'm not a big breakfast guy, I could not eat breakfast till 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And then I could eat breakfast at 12, lunch at one, dinner at four. You know, but I can't do that now because I've committed parameters around my food. My breakfast is from the time I wake up till 10.30 in the morning. If I wake up late, I call somebody else and say, hey, I woke up late. I'm about to eat breakfast after my regular time. Is that sane? I always check my behaviors with another compulsive eater. No unilateral food decisions. That's one of the biggest things that we do. I can't tell myself what I'm saying because I'm fucking insane. I prom pardon, pardon my French, but I promise you, I am insane. I all roads lead back to food. I will convince myself. See, if the, if food spoke to me in a voice like "Hey, eat that candy," I would recognize it, right? But it talks to me in my own voice. So when I, I have to make sure it's not my disease talking to me, so I always clear it with somebody else. But I have time parameters around my my meals so that they don't bleed into one another. Okay, I, I've got to be very clear about that for myself. Otherwise, I'm messed up. Lunch options, and let's do lunch and dinner kind of together because generally it's the same kind of thing. You know, it's X amount number of ounces of this, X number of ounces of that, and this. So uh, let's see, uh, uh, Francis, are you still with us? Yes. Okay, you want to tell us what a typical lunch looks like for you? Um. Yes, one slice of Ezekiel toast, because I can have that. I can't have other breads. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I said I'm sorry that you're eating Ezekiel bread. But anyway, keep going. Why is that? Because <laughs> I, I, I'm not big. I, it just tastes like cardboard to me. But anyway. Okay, oh, yeah, I see what you said. Okay. Yeah, and um, the salad and 12 nuts. It has to be counted out. But I can't eat salted nuts at all. That's a big no-no regular almonds I can eat and I usually have about an ounce of cheese. I have an ounce of cheese. I have my fruit at um, dinner. Oh, I actually have a fruit, piece of fruit at lunch too. No fruit at breakfast here. So again, specificity, that's really terrific. Jim, I think has left us. Uh, let's see, uh, Laura, uh, Lawrence, have you been here the whole time? Laura, me, you mean me? No, I meant Lawrence, but Lawrence. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go, go, go. Tell us about your lunches, 
Laura. Okay, so lunch could be any kind of protein. I'm not measuring, I'm not weighting anything. So that's something that, that now I'm learning when I'm hearing you guys. And um, my portions were a, so very big. And now they're kind of like, you know, getting a normal proportion into my head. I don't know if they're normal or not, but chicken, I would eat chicken or some, or um, half a can of tuna and then salad or a vegetable soup with some chicken in it, but I don't measure or weight anything. Well, what, and if you were to weigh and measure, what do you think an appropriate amount of protein for you would be at a meal? I think what you said, six ounces, right? Well, that, that's for me, it works for me. It, it doesn't mean it works for everybody. <laughs> but if you think six ounces is a good start, I think that's a great place to start. Uh, and and you know and you know uh, does does everyone here have a food scale? I do. Okay, yeah. I mean there. Uh, you know, I'm I, we we're not about outside interests, and I'm not I don't own any stock in Amazon. But for about fifteen or twenty bucks, you can have one at your house in two days. Uh, if you, if you're afraid to go out or you don't want to go out, if you aren't, you can go to any number of big box stores, you know, uh, and you could pick one up for the same 15 or 20 bucks. It really has saved my life because, you know, I didn't know what six ounces of anything looked like. I don't either. And it's funny that I do have a scale. Yeah. Well, I mean, my suggestion <laughs> would be, you know, to start looking at it. Do you have a sponsor, Laura? I do. And, and we text our food, but I, I, I don't, I don't think I understand when you mean you commit. So before you actually have the meal, you plan it ahead and you commit it or because I like put stuff on my plate and then I snap a picture and that's what I send, but I don't really plan ahead what I'm going to eat during the day. And my question about the amount of veggies is that sometimes I like make a huge bowl of salad that like two people would eat out of the, out of that. And I eat all of that salad plus a chicken plus maybe a fruit for dessert or something like that until I am like super full. And I know it's salad, but, and I eat super fast. That's the other thing. Well, the, the, you know, the, the over fulling uh, could be a food behavior that triggers you. I know for me, that food behavior that triggers me. If I get too full, as, uh, you know, I say F it and let's just keep going. Uh, you know, that's, that's me. Uh, some people do that. Some people don't do that. Uh, uh, but if that's a food behavior, then that's something that you should put down in the, uh, uh in the first page where we talked about, uh, uh, eating behaviors and attitudes that trigger the obsession. See, the whole idea that we're trying to do is keep us from triggering the obsession, right? We're trying to keep serene, peaceful, and, and, and sane around our food, as opposed to uh, completely insane and fighting it all the time. So the more we can, you know, we can corral the food and, and, and get specific into what we can and can't do, what we should or shouldn't be doing, what, you know, we've talked about with our sponsor or not, makes it sane because, and I, you know, and I'm not in any other programs, but, you know, if you're drinking, you know, when you, when you take a shot, you know, when you're doing that. We have to eat three times a day and sometimes the lines get blurred. So we're trying to create as large a line as we can. All right. So, uh, uh, so Monique, tell us about a, a typical dinner of yours. Or a typical dinner that you, you know, based on what we've been talking about. What do you think that would look like? Okay, well, right off the bat, I need it way more often. So I, I realize that. Um, I may have fajitas with chicken and um, onion and we'll just how fajitas are. Uh, tortillas, 
I love tortillas and I'm Hispanic. So that's what I'm used to having. I, that's a trigger food for me. So I have cassava grain-free tortilla, which works. And I'm able to have one of those. And then I may have a salad on the side with that. Everybody um, on this call, Monique, is wanting to find out where you get those. But okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, or I may have a hamburger patty um, with everything but the bun and a salad. So things like that. Yep. You froze, I think, Monique. Oh, did, am I still frozen? Oh, you are. I am? No, you're good now. Okay. So maybe a hamburger patty by itself with lettuce and onion in a salad. Um, sometimes I'll have basmati organic um, basmati rice with chicken. And I don't have soy sauce because I try not to have any gluten. Um, and I don't want GMOs. So I will have a little bit of this um, coconut aminos. I, I'm careful with that, though, because it's a little sweet. But things like that with the salad. Okay, great. Uh, we are being joined by the rest of the world. So if you haven't, if you don't feel satisfied based on what we've done, that you have a good beat on what we're doing, call me tonight, call me tomorrow. If I don't answer, leave a message. I will call you back. We can work on this individually. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank we're, now, you. We're, we're now we're back in the main meeting with everybody else. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give people just a couple more minutes or another 30 seconds or so to rejoin as their, uh, your phone number, smartphone, can text, we text? Yeah, you can text me, absolutely. It's an iPhone. So, yeah, text and the message and the video. I'm easy. Thank you, everyone. Thank okay. you. Jeff, will you share your number again? Sure. It's Jeff. It's 310-210-6475. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Okay. I think we've got, well, we're still adding people by the hundreds. So Room five's coming back. Thank you, Aaron. How you doing? Oh, you know, it's almost dinner time. Jeff, here. can you hear yeah. me? Yes, I can. Room nine so, coming back. So when everybody comes back, we'll, uh, we'll probably, um, we'll, we'll try to end with the prayer. And um, what else do we do at this point? I think Melissa has something she'd like to add uh, is from what I'm told. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so, I was just going to say say thanks and goodbye. So whatever you guys want to do, okay. feel free to end so, it in the way that you'd like. Okay. Thank I'll, you. I'll, Jeff, I'll, I'll, I'll do that, and then you could um, facilitate a prayer. Okay. Well, can, you leave the, can you leave the room open for a few minutes so we can yes, chat with I, other I people? Think, I think we can, yes. Uh, Thank Adam, you for putting it on. You're welcome, guys. Adam, I think we, we've got everybody in, so it's all yours. This is everybody. Bob, is this everybody? Everyone is returning right now. Uh, so yes, uh, let's just give it another few seconds. Sure. Um, sometimes it takes a, minute, a few minutes for people to pop in. Uh, so I'm going to be quiet now. And uh, you got you back, Mike's back to you. Okay. So if everybody could um, hear me, I just wanted to um, do some recap and the spirit of that exercise, I hope it was helpful for people. And um, here's what I don't want it to be for people. I don't want it to be that I'm jumping out and I found a new, um, a new commercial program that is that, that now I'm going to eat this way. Peace out. I don't need program. 
all of this is about is about accessing a beginning and uh, the beginning to help me connect to the power, right? And if I use drugs and alcohol, I off I start the journey by detoxing, right? I don't, you know, if I'm addicted to heroin or alcohol, I have to go through a detox period before I can get into the treatment. Um, I don't just jump in, right, to the treatments. I have to go through a period of clarity, and the clarity there is I'm not using my substance. What is our version of getting clarity and accessing clarity? I, I got to go into a few of the groups. Um, and one thing I, I definitely, you know, it made me think of is that vagueness is not, is a breeding ground for the disease here. Um, it's not something, it's not something, um, it's not something that, uh, that supports sobriety for me, right? I, I like to have clarity. I like to know what, what I can have and how much I can have and when I can have it. And that supports this idea that Tim was talking about freedom producing sober, sober eating. And how do I use the, the program, the 12 steps, the power, right? Cause lack of power I said is my dilemma. How do I find that power by connecting um, in this way? And um, it takes a village. Um, this is not something to be done alone. And um, the, I, I want to just say that a testament to the way that this w workshop was done by the men of the uh, the men that uh, are in uh, that use this as a as a as a formula for their program. How much time and effort goes into it? We could spend you know so much concentrated time on the discussion of what am I going to do if I go to a wedding? How am I going to travel? Right? We you know and we don't see those as dumb questions. Right? There are questions that need attention. Right. And, and we we don't wing it. I don't wing it. And um, I use my peers. They'll get FaceTime calls from a, from a drive through. If I if I'm if I'm if I'm stuck and I don't have uh, have something, I'll FaceTime and I'll say, does this look right? Here's what I here's what my commitment is. Does this look right? And I'll have somebody I have so many people accessible to me. So I want to, um, first of all, again, thank everybody who participated all the all the men who led groups and, um, you know, the, the speakers and particularly Bob S who really, um, uh, you know, for, for, for technology did a great job. I also want to um, make sure that we end with a, a prayer, but the prayer, I don't want it to be lip service. For me, I want the prayer to come from a place of, I want to set the intention of this prayers for those people here who are struggling to make a beginning and to, to and who who may have been confused about what this all means and what's the difference between a food plan and an abstinence and what's progress and not perfection and how does it all relate to me that I hope that your beginning is I don't eat in that addicted way and disturbing way no matter what and I have an idea of what that means for me now so with that um, uh, let's let's close out with the third step prayer and then Melissa will make an announcement and then if there's time there could be a little chat afterwards I'm going to ask um, Bob S can you lead us in the third step prayer yes here we go God 
No, just saying great. Thanks. Thanks everyone for coming. Thanks for everybody participating. Keep coming back. <laughs>